The Dialogue with Clement Maniatela. It's not just another roundtable discussion. Let's walk the talk on 702. On our Thursday Dialogue this morning, I want us to discuss this General Intelligence Laws Amendment Bill, which seeks to amend security laws as per the recommendations of the Presidential High-Level Review Panel on State Security Agency and the State Capture Commission. Uh, Remember, that panel and the State Capture Report laid bare the politicization and the abuse of the State Security Agency, implicating people like the former DG, Arthur Fraser. What happened after Arthur Fraser was implicated by the high-level review panel? Take a guess. You think he was held accountable? You think they put him aside and said, we're not going to give him another job because of the mess that he, according to the report, has clearly caused there at the State Security Agency? No. The same president who hired Sidney Mufamadi to lead the high-level review panel appointed Arthur Fraser to be the Correctional Services Commissioner. That high-level review panel also implicated someone like the former minister, David Mashobo. What do you think happened to David Mashobo? President Cyril Ramaphosa appointed him in his cabinet. <laughs> he appointed people to work on a to investigate what's happened at the, state, at the state security agency. Those people come back and say, President, that state security agency was politicized. These are the people that are implicated. This is what they've done. And the president says, oh, great. Then appoints those people in his government. Oh, my goodness. So what we know from those reports is that there was a politicization and the factionalization of the intelligence services based on factional battles within the ANC. And that has resulted in almost a complete disregard of the constitution, of the legislation, of policy. So what this amendment bill seeks to achieve is to build a robust and agile intelligence agency. But the question is, does it strike a balance between security imperatives and the respect for fundamental rights and freedoms? Because there are organizations that are concerned that the bill's definition of person of, 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 of institution, of national security interest is so broad that it potentially gives the state the power to vet any private individual or institution, including non-profit organizations and faith-based organizations, as earlier versions of this bill explicitly tried to do, and even businesses. So they've characterized the bill as an attempt to interfere with civil society and even religious institution to an extent that it would threaten their rights to to free expression, to organize, even to fully engage in civil and political life. In other words, it would somehow silence the organizations and government uh, critiques. So I'm asking this morning if this spy bill is open to state interference, um, abuse and privacy violations, or is this the way to go in order to protect national security? Let me introduce you to my guests. We've got Jerome Marke, who is Parliament's chairperson of the Ad Hoc Committee on the General Intelligence Laws Amendments Bill. Jerome, thank you so much for making time for us. Good morning. Thank you very much. Good morning uh, to you and to your listeners. We also have Jane Duncan, who is the Professor of Digital Society at the University of Glasgow. Uh, thank you so much for making time for us, uh, Professor Duncan. Good morning. Good morning, Clemenson. Good morning to your listeners. And then we'll also be joined by Stephanie Fick, the Executive Director for Accountability and Public Governance Division at Outer. Stephanie, 
Thank you for joining this chat as well. Good morning. Good morning. Only a pleasure. Thank you for having us all, and it's an important discussion. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Jerome, I, I want to start off w- with you. Just help us understand how this bill lays the foundation for a more robust and, and agile intelligence agency. Okay, maybe once again, uh, good morning even to your guests. Um, you you gave a bit of a background on how these amendments came about. Uh, we've got the high-level uh, review panel and the Zondo Commission, uh, which, which explained that uh, there's definitely... Uh, wrong with our intelligence services. So, so the bill seeks to go back to being a foreign intelligence service and a domestic intelligence service because the formation of the state's security agency was its, itself regular and uh, it bled uh, lines between foreign and the, the the, the the domestic uh, uh, services uh-huh. and now the bill wants to go back to to it was before and put some screws on some of the things that used to be happening in there there was a lot of impunity in in the services so actually is trying to implement the recommendations of the Zero Commission and those of the high-level review panel. Mm. Okay, so how do the proposed amendments to, to these intelligence laws then enhance oversight and accountability mechanisms? How, how is that going to help in the, in the bigger scheme of things protect national security but also ensure that there, there are those accountability mechanisms? It actually seeks to strengthen uh, the the powers or the independence of the Inspector General uh, uh, of Intelligence and uh, uh, trying to make his recommendations binding uh, well, well in good English uh, recommendations are not binding, but uh, say the findings, the findings binding because uh, as of now, its recommendations are not binding. And also uh, give him some sort of independence because he still depends on the SSA for his administrative issues, meaning this budget and uh, IT and all the administration is done uh, through SSA, yeah. and it's it's anomaly. It's anomaly that you you depend on uh, an institution that you have oversight on. It doesn't make any sense. So those are some of the things that would like to tighten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to have a stronger oversight okay. over the intelligence uh, services. Okay, um, Stephanie, what concerns 
do you have about this bill as, as out? I know you've cited broad and vague definitions of national security, of persons of national security interest and threat to, to national security. What would be the consequences, in your view, of these broad definitions? Well, what these broad definitions will bring about is that firstly now civil society organizations, faith-based organizations are included in, 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 in the bill. In other words, uh, we are open to be vetted under certain circumstances. Um, and then secondly, because it's so wide, I mean, no one, let me start here by saying that no one has got a problem that if you have terrorists, or a, a terrorist threat, or there's force and violence against the people of the Republic, or foreign hostile acts, or, you know, subversion and undue influence. Those are the types of, of actions that hopefully um, our country and our intelligence services are equipped to deal with. But it is this notion of potential or um, threat to national security, which may include, because the definition is otherwise so wide, um, you know, acts conducted by civil society. And we're talking about our rights, for example, of association, Mm -hmm. assembly, and all of that. To what extent will we be open because we have a voice and and, and because we may, you know, uh, uh, alert people to certain things going wrong, like corruption, et cetera, et cetera, um, that they may use this in order to, 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 to do some vetting and that the accountability um, in terms of that, look at, for example, RICA, where the Constitutional Court has said, look at certain things and, and they didn't really. Mass surveillance of which will now include civil society, faith-based organization, journalisms, um, journalists, for example. SABC is considered to be a critical structure and if you go into the SABC building potentially as a journal, you can then be then be vetted. And if we talk about accountability, um, you know, where where does the bug stop? And yeah. at the end of the day, the ministerial um, um, appointment. Um, so it's 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 that type of thing. And if you look at history, um, you know, journalists, civil society, and an independent um, judiciary was our saving grace during state capture. What if state capture happens again because now they can silence the voices? Mm-hmm. D- does the bill say under what circumstances NGOs and churches and even journalists um, should be vetted? Well, it is, you know, they, they classify now, uh, so in, in, in general, uh, a person or sort of institution of national which is defined as any person any person or institution identified by the agency in the form and manner prescribed, which we don't know what that is, um, that conducts himself or herself and engages in activities that's inconsistent with the principles set out in Section 198. Now, 198 is just saying that, you know, as South Africans, we should live, live in, you know, in peace with one another, which is also a very wide description. And then, um, you know, that that engages in acts that are defined as a threat to national security. Mm. So because we are now considered as persons and, in, and, and institutions, you are now open to your activities are open to be scrutinized. Mm. And then they abuse 
or there's potential, we can't say they will, but there's potential for misuse, abuse, overreach Mm -hmm. by authorities for, Mm. one can say, nefarious intent Mm. or political intent. Professor Duncan, have we seen this kind of abuse before? Because there was a time when the Constitutional Court found that the state security agency was conducting interceptions of of electronic signals unlawfully where they were spying on politicians on business people and civil servants so have we seen this culture and, and practice of illegal interference in politics and, and and civic life at the state security agency element yes we have and unfortunately we've seen it very recently in the past decade um, we had a very sorry decade um, under the former president of um, the intelligence agencies, not only the state security agency, but the crime intelligence division of the police um, being abused um, to effectively deploy intelligence agencies as the political police of the, the former president. Um, we also saw spying on of um, political and civil society as well and um, the misuse of the state security agency in order to um, attempt to frustrate the current president's campaign um, to to become president. So, you know, all of these things were egregious abuses that that the bill is now attempting to fix. Now, it's not all bad in terms of this bill. Um, The bill is actually needed. And one of the positives of the bill is that um, it takes forward one of the most important recommendations of the high-level review panel on the State Security Agency. Mm. And just in the interest of transparency and as a disclosure, I was a member of the of the panel. So it disestablishes the State Security Agency, and it re- it, it it takes the uh, uh, civilian intelligence services back to the pre two thousand and nine configuration of having separate domestic and foreign branches. Mm. Now, we referred to the irregular establishment of the SSA as part of the architecture of abuse that enabled the kinds of um, um, irregular and unlawful spying that I've just referred to. Mm -hmm. And it did so because it established um, a, a super director general. And if you put a person who didn't have the best intentions of the country at heart into that position, it was impossible. It was possible to capture the um, the the domestic intelligence services um, simply uh, um, by um, by making a bad appointment. So Mm. that is being dismantled. And we're going to have a separate foreign and domestic service, each with their own separate directors general. The problem is that we're potentially turbocharging those new agencies for abuse because of the overbroad definitions that allow them to collect and analyze intelligence that focuses not only on threats and potential threats to the country, but on potential opportunities as well. Now, other government departments are responsible for pursuing, you know, opportunities to advance the country's national interest and national security. So there's a potential for overlap. But also there's a potential for huge overreach into civil society once again um, on the pretext of these of these overbroad mandates. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Jerome, how is the bill responding to these concerns that, that Stephanie and, and Professor Duncan are, are raising? Because there seems to be a concern here around 
the balance between those security imperatives and the respect for those fundamental rights and freedoms um, of these organizations? Um, if I was to respond to that, uh, most of the inputs that we got, especially uh, from the stakeholders, is that the definitions are very vague. And if you could understand the environment of intelligence, I agree that it must be legislated. Uh, the, the, the freedoms of, of, of the citizens mustn't be invaded. And there were suggestions, not only that, even the, uh, it was said that it increases the power of the minister uh, to, to, to interfere in the operations of, of the intelligence services. So, so we need to tighten, the, the suggestion is that we need to tighten those, those, uh, those definitions or narrow them down. But uh, as you understand, unlike the police or, 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 or the defense force, the intelligence services, it, it, everything that they do is secret. So it's called the secret uh, services. Uh, they don't go to court. They don't arrest. Uh, and they work in secret anyway. So, but still we need to tighten, which, which is a difficult thing to do. And I wouldn't say anything as of now because we are going to take those inputs and deliberate over them as the other committee and mm -hmm. see which ones can be inserted where and so on. Mm -hmm. well, Otherwise, well, okay. Yes, so, sorry, I wanted to, to ask about the the vetting of organizations. What, what, does the, what was the idea around having the bill speak to the organizations that may need clearance or that may be refused clearance to, to operate? Um, what what concerns have been there around, particularly NGOs and, and, and perhaps even churches as well, that has given rise to that suggestion that maybe there, there must be a clearance that's given to these organizations? Can I just clarify one thing? Um, the bill that we have uh, doesn't have those things in it. This current maybe, bill? Maybe, yeah, maybe let's... let's, let's, let's uh, Try and explain that the bill is created by the unless it is committee bill, then that would have been initiated by a committee of parliament. So what happens is that the, the department uh, drafts a bill and then go to stakeholders publish the bill for their comment, it goes to cabinet, and then it comes to parliament. So as parliament, we never received that bill, so there's no way in which I can comment mm -hmm. on it. The one that we received is this one. Mm -hmm. We can't even say current ourselves because we don't know any other bill. 
The one that came before Parliament is this, this that we have. And uh, uh, maybe people still comment on the one that was, uh, I don't know whether the, 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 the SSA published it for comment or not. But uh, I, I can comment on something that was never put before Parliament. And the one that we have doesn't have the churches and uh, journalists. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Stephanie, because Jerome is right in that, yes, a draft bill, a draft of this bill that was adopted by Cabinet in May last year contained this provision that requires NGOs and churches to be vetted by intelligence services. But while this provision was removed from the draft that was submitted to Parliament in November, does it still require that the relevant members of the national security structures conduct a security assessment in a prescribed manner? Meaning, does it still affect uh, those NGOs and the churches? Yes. So, and that is the problem. So we were, we are aware of the fact that the previous version of the ball included specifically, referred specifically to civil activist organizations, um, NGOs, faith-based organizations, et cetera, et cetera. They took that out, but they made the definition so wide that it includes civil society, civil society organizations, faith-based. So although they are not now being um, you know, they, they highlight it by calling it by name. It still includes everybody. And that's why we are still, um, um, you know, still worried about the potential overreach because the definition is so wide. So, you know, the persons or institutions that are included, in other words, the bull is a bull, um, potential, um, actions by the, the agency is still applicable on any person or institution identified by the agency. So I don't think we necessarily say that we should be excluded because some of the actions, obviously, you want intelligence. You, you, you want to eradicate terrorism and violence, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't have legislation that so open and so wide and open to abuse because unfortunately, um, you know, whether we get the message, but it will never be abused in that, in that way. You know, the trust deficit between civil society and government is just not there. And we can't allow legislation to just stand that potentially may impact on, 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 on everybody's constitutional rights with your right to go to a court. Yes. But why should you? And then just on the point, maybe um, quickly, is that, yes, in the intelligence, um, you know, community is, is extremely important. And I think we've lost the ability um, in, in, in South Africa and, and maybe the, the knowledge, et cetera, experience in, mm. in, in that sphere um, because it is important. Uh, may, may I just maybe use an example? Um, for example, money laundering. We are on the grey list for 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 you know money laundering, and etc. And 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 part of curbing that is having very good intelligence. But you can imagine that that's intelligence that is concentrating on you know crime, making sure that we gather enough information so that it can turn into you know cases and make 
sure that certain bad things doesn't happen in, yeah. in, in South Africa. The purpose shouldn't be to listen in on civil society who is just going about their business. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that accountability should yeah. be even stronger for institutions that is working in secrecy. Absolutely. And, and we'll expand more on that. Uh, I'll, I'll give Professor Duncan an opportunity to respond to that after the latest in Eyewitness News headlines. It's 11.32. The Dialogue with Clement Maniatela. It's not just another roundtable discussion. Let's walk the talk on 702. All right, uh, Simon, uh, Diana, Cola Barnard, I see your calls. I'll get to you in a moment. Uh, Professor Jane Duncan, I just wanted you to uh, quickly respond to what the bill, because... What we are told by Jerome and, and Parliament is that this draft bill uh, doesn't necessarily, well, the f- initial draft bill spoke about this provision requiring NGOs and churches to be vetted by intelligence services, but that's not there in the current bill. But Stephanie from Outa says what concerns them is that the wording in the current bill is just wide enough to allow for that vetting to still happen. How do you understand it? Yes, I understand these concerns. Um, perhaps just to start with uh, the question of what um, security competence testing is meant to be about. It's actually meant to be about um, conducting of um, people who are seeking employment in government departments where they're going to be handling classified information or where they are going to be dealing with critical national infrastructure. Um, and because we're talking about serious, uh, um, sensitive areas of government there, um, needs to take this in order to establish whether they have the necessary security competence to, to play those kinds of roles. That is what vetting should be confined to. But unfortunately, in terms of the bill, it seems like the drafters of the bill are attempting to bend vetting, um, to, uh, to undertake that it was meant to undertake. Um, so in addition to the more conventional um, um, uh, roles of vetting, it also says that um, individuals can be vetted if they are considered to be persons of national security interest. And this is where I think these concerns come in, because arguably um, one could say that the clause around um, the vetting of religious organizations and NGOs and what have you are seeking um, to register organizations has been slipped in through the back door via that very broad clause. Now, um, my argument to the committee yesterday was that that clause should be removed in its entirety because Mm -hmm. it's misconstruing what the vetting process should be about. Um, Persons of national security interest um, uh, should be investigated, yes, but there are already um, uh, powers that the intelligence agencies have in order to undertake those kinds of investigations. They don't need um, to use the vetting process in order to undertake those investigations. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go to, to the lines now. Simon in Kempton Park, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm all right, man. Go ahead. Good man, I just want to say this bill is good as it may look, Clement, but if you check in most of the African countries, these tech security agencies are used to squash the democratic space um, with the, for fighting the opposition and squash and silence the, the activists and so on. So 
I'm saying this on the backdrop of what the president said sometime concerning the case we have with Israel, where he said there might be some interference with the, for the regime change agenda. And that's how it stands. If you can start all the neighboring countries, you find the democratic space is being squashed and um, oppositions are being arrested for that reason, that there is interference and there is a regime change agenda. So people must be very careful, as good as it may look, but it can be used with the wrong party to fight the democratic considering what the president said. Mm. Simon in Kempton Park, thanks for that. And that's the, those are some of the concerns that Outer and other organizations are raising. Diane Kola Barnard, um, thank you for uh, coming through as well. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah, you, you are a DA member of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence. Um, uh-huh. what, what, in your view, having looked at the bill and hearing the concerns that have been raised even through uh, the public comments, what, what are your thoughts on this bill? And are these concerns that have been raised justified? Absolutely are. Uh, look, you misunderstand ours is a much misunderstood committee. We're being blamed for much of what happens. Because of the secrecy, I think there's that, that feeling that we must be to blame. But I want to point out that on those on this committee during the last parliament for over two years and for the full five-year term that I've been on now, which is about to end, we have asked repeatedly if and when the biology lab would be ready. And we were made endless promises, broken after broken after broken. And in the end, we absolutely had And we voted unanimously to a committee on the very day to launch it, the, the chair press release suddenly that woke up to land the bill in Parliament the very same day. Now, simultaneously sent stakeholders to the country, not the committee, understand the as you've heard, were palpable. Um, it was sent back by parliamentary constitutional law experts to have those that said the heads of churches and NGOs have to get security clearance, had that removed. The damage had already been done. There's huge suspicion now about this bill. It, it, it does everything slowly and, and silently in a little area. It does what the bill is supposed to do, and that's undo the damage caused by Arthur Fraser and co., who mm. amalgamated everything and, and aimed it to protect Jacob Zuma. Uh, it's to realign what is supposed to be. Uh, but really, people or institutions that are deemed quite subjectively to be a threat by the state security agency may even face jail time mm-hmm. because they have to go through this weird form of vetting and get certificates. Everything in there is is really um, unacceptable. And as your previous um, telephonist or the gentleman who phoned in mm-hmm. said, uh, could absolutely be a threat to our democracy. Um, to base the whole argument on Section 98 of the Constitution, which is so vague, oh, we must, we must all be able to live as equals in peace and harmony. That means if I stand with a placard saying I don't want taxes to go up, I could be uh, seen as a national threat. There is no security at all for lawyers, doctors, politicians, name it, people in universities. I mean, the threat is very real and cannot possibly go through. It's very vague. Equally, no one is safe. And, and of course, the committee had already put together a committee bill, which makes far more sense, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an astounding technical team doing the drafting. Everyone says, are oh, you doing this too quickly? We've been trying to do it for seven years. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. if we leave it now, if we collapse and go weak at the knee and say, oh, well, you can do it next term, you may well have all different members on there, different mm-hmm. staff. 
and they may well find the vetting of heads of churches, etc., to be totally acceptable. Yeah. Diane Kolabanant, thank you so much for uh, calling us. Jerome Make, I'll give you an opportunity uh, to respond, particularly to what is the concern around this widened definition of person or institution of national security interest. I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that after this break. It's 12 minutes before 12. The Dialogue with Clement Mania-Taylor. It's not just another roundtable discussion. Let's walk the talk on 7.02. Nine minutes before 12 o'clock, we're wrapping up our discussion on our Thursday Dialogue around this General Intelligence Laws Amendment Bill. Jerome Make is Parliament's chairperson of the Ad Hoc Committee on the General Intelligence Laws Amendment Bill. Jerome, um, please can you respond to the... I suppose the suggestion that maybe this clause be taken away. Are you concerned as at all as the committee about this widened definition as these other organizations are saying of persons or institution of national security interest? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, maybe if I was to comment, very interesting that uh, uh, people call it a spy bill. Uh, maybe that gives another connotation. Uh, the slang for, but if you start talking about spying, people get uh, a bit apprehensive. And one other thing is that uh, uh, we don't need, as a committee, we don't need to answer to those questions uh, that are asked because we are still. We're having oversight over the, the department itself. Meaning that even ourselves as the adult committee, we are on the same side as the other stakeholders. We are a stakeholder that is still going to interrogate this. Uh, the department must answer these questions that are being asked now. And uh, they are very, very constructive uh, um, Input, especially uh, from the prof. I saw the prof just to insert one or two words in the definitions will tighten it up. For instance, uh, I saw yesterday uh, a recommendation by the prof <clears throat> that if you simply put in uh, that you exclude a legal protest or whatever, then you have already tightened up that. So mm. this is what is exactly going to happen after we have received all of these things. Uh, we will have the processes that we will have the department as the initiator okay. of the bill coming to us and answering some of these questions. Okay, Jerome, th- thank you for responding to that. Uh, Professor Duncan, um do you think that this bill is in line with just the forms of surveillance and, and international st- standards on surveillance? No, I don't think it is yet, um, particularly in relation to probably the most invasive form of surveillance, which this um, bill is meant to cover, which is bulk interception of um, foreign communications mm. and there's been a lot of developing law that's been um that's been unfolding in the past uh, couple of years in the wake of the disclosures um made by 
um, the NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden of how this form of surveillance um, has been misused in order to spy on citizens domestically in the US, for instance. And there's been a lot of tightening up in terms of how um, bulk surveillance or bulk interception is actually regulated. Mm. And nowhere in the bill do I actually see any kind of meaningful benchmarking that um, incorporates those those um, important standards. Yeah. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done around tightening up um, the regulation of bulk interception. Stephanie, any proposals you guys have? Do you want the bills to be scrapped completely? Or are you suggesting there must be tweaks here and there? I think there must definitely be tweaks here and there. In other words, in just in a nutshell, it should go back to the table and redraft some of the sections so that it makes sense and remove the sense of, you know, these possibilities for, for overreach, infringement of rights, mm. um, et cetera. I don't think, you know, looking at that, that is actually, and may I just say this in terms of public participation, actually extremely difficult bull in the sense that, you know, I like um, um, reading legislation, um, but GILAP is just the amendment bill. You still need to read all of that and then include it in the, in, in, in the legislations that it applies soon. It's not only one, more than one um, um, legislation. So it makes it so difficult for just ordinary South Africa to read and understand the impact. Yeah. So in terms of public population, I don't know how, 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 um, you know, how many ordinary South Africans yeah. actually know this world. But in but it should go back to the table, okay. redraw the section that, that, you know, is sort of not, 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 not nice and give us something we can work with. All right. Tammy, you're calling us from Pretoria. Hi, quickly. Hi, Clement. Just to say that uh, South Africans and the NC, I mean, it should not be surprised. This is what happens with regimes that are running out of time. The Zimbabwe government is busy also passing a similar bill, which is aimed at doing exactly the same to voluntary organizations. So, so the ANC is just following a script yeah. that it will follow. So there is nothing new here. It will happen because they are, they are running out of time. That, that's all I want to say. Let's not be surprised. All right. I mean, Pretoria, thank you. A good day, Clement, and good day to your guest. My question might not be relevant to the subject, but please ask your guest, since the intelligence is in the presidency, don't you think that the president might be a good guy? But what will happen if another bad guy became the president? Thanks, David. Yeah, um, I think uh, Professor uh, Duncan touched on that a little earlier on. Thank you to Professor Dane Duncan, to Stephanie Fick and Jerome Mackey for joining us for this chat.